Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome to 2024 with the No Film School podcast. We're recording this before New Year's Eve, actually. So if something awful happened on December 31st, and we make a joke about it. It's an we accident. We didn't know. <laughs> we did not know that that tornado of sharks. No, that Sharknado. We already knew sure. that that was a thing. We didn't know whatever horrible thing happened happened when we made the joke about it. We promise. Thoughts and prayers to the victims of Sharknado. Yes. Yes. I'm Charles Hayne. I'm here with Jason Hellerman. Hello. And Gigi Hawkins. Hello. And we are talking about the resolutions filmmakers should make for the new year 2024. Kick us off. Gosh. Gigi. Yeah, I, I have a very personal New Year's resolution because I am in the thick of editing my first feature and I am so easily falling into not taking care of myself in this process emotionally and physically. So I am going to take a leaf out of the book of Robert D. Yaoman, who we interviewed earlier or I guess last year in 2023. And that is two things. One, prioritizing your health, including eight hours of sleep, which sounds so basic, but he even on set says he's, you know, maybe he'll have one or two beers after a long day, but he always prioritizes sleep and taking care of himself. And then the other thing is surrounding myself with people who I want to be making things with. It's so interesting being in the midst of uh, a really difficult process. And it's the people who are coming together, even in the hard times, that are really standing out to me. And I'm learning so much about you know, who I want to be in the trenches with in the long run. And I think that it all boils down to really working with the people who are going to be kind and human and fair and and supporting the creative. So so I'm very much want to put energy into those types of relationships. So those are my two two resolutions. Ener- energy into myself and energy into the relationships that feel like nourishing and creative and, and positive and supportive. That's amazing. What I like about that second one is I think there's an idea and look, maybe I'm just showing that maybe I'm doing that thing where you're like, I think there's an idea a lot of people have and I'm revealing something about myself. But I think this is actually a common thing where I think a lot of people don't have a, fa- a lot of faith that there are abundant collaborators. Like I've watched people work with collaborators where it's, are you getting what you want there? Is that productive? Is that healthy? Are you guys actually accomplishing things you want? But they keep doing it over and over. 
And if I think about it, it's because I, I think that they don't believe in abundance, where there are a lot of people that you can work with and collaborate with. There's a lot of producers and editors and directors, and you know, there's a wealth of people. And you, we should always be trying to pay attention to the people we surround ourselves with because they have a huge impact on the work that we do. And we should always be you know, trying to actively move towards working with the people we want to work with and move away from the people we don't want to work with. Now, the flip side of that is that there is reality and we have bills to pay and we have rent to pay. And every once in a while, we have a nightmare client. And that nightmare client is also our billing for the year. And there is no shame in needing money. You know, and I worked with someone once who was like, I would never, you know, I would just not work with that client. And I'm like, well, but I needed to pay rent. Yeah. And that I needed to eat. And so, yes, I did that job that like wasn't everything I wanted to be. And the person wasn't as pleasant I wanted. So it's not ideal, but we want to, I think, moving towards the people we want to collaborate with. I'm working again this year. I started working again last year with a producer I've been working with since 2011. And she's wonderful. And we didn't work together for a couple of years. And now we're back together again because of things that lined up. Just life. You know, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. There was no falling out. It was just, we didn't for a while and now we are. And it's, ah, oh, good people are the fucking best. Like, the best. Good, they're the best. The point of this job is getting to work with good people. Otherwise, if, if you're not going to work with good people, the money is certainly not good enough for the vast majority of us. And, you know, the, the hours can be complicated. And so, yeah, being conscious of who you are collaborating with is such a powerful thing. I had a, you know, I'll do that millennial thing for a minute and I'll talk about a thing I learned in therapy where I was, I, a few years ago, I was like working with a collaborator and I, and I was like, oh, and you know, I think I'll talk to them again about their behavior. And my therapist was like, you have talked to them, you know? And I was mm. like, yeah, but I think I owe them another. And she was like, if your daughter has a play date with someone and they're mean to your daughter, do you give them another chance? And I'm like, no, 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 no. They were mean to my daughter. Fuck them. You know, I don't need to keep hanging out with that person. Like, they don't know how to hang with my daughter. My daughter's great. And my therapist just looked at me for a while with a smile. And I was like, <laughs> shit, when she does that, I have to get somewhere. I have to figure a thing out. And I was like, oh, I'm like way more generous with my daughter than I am with myself. Yeah. And I'm willing to keep collaborating with this person who keeps being bad at it. And I feel like as an adult, it's my job to give them another chance and explain to them why that's not appropriate. And my therapist was like, you can also just not. You can just not. It's not your job. You're not their parent. You don't have to teach them how to be a better collaborator. Can just not. And I was like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Therapy. <laughs> Therapy. So, you know, wonderful thing. <laughs> Physical health is something that I feel like, look, I'm, I know I'm guilty of ignoring. You know, we, uh, we live a sedentary lifestyle at times. You're in the editing booth. You're sitting writing a screenplay. You're on your butt for, you know, four to eight to 12 to 15 to 18 hours a day, right? It's very different. I, you know, I could sit here and be like, everyone should go get a gym membership, whatever. I live in LA. I live next to a gym. I just canceled my membership because I went zilch. But, but there is something there, right? Sleeping eight hours, eating healthier. Like those are tenements I think everyone can do. But what I think, you know, just I think tenants. Tenants, yeah, tenants. That's what it's not. Yeah, they're not housing tenements that we put you <laughs> in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I needed a Grammarly. But that's a callback for those of you who listen. But anyway, it's when I remember coming out of the pandemic needing something active to do, and I will just be the resident old man here who's a millennial and say, my one of my buddies, do you want to come play pickleball with me just early in the mornings? And I did not want to go, but I went. And now I go every week. And it's just, it's a game, right? So you get the exercise in there. You're burning calories according to my Apple Watch. But I am mostly just playing to have fun. And as a 36 and a half year old, you know, closer to, in fact, definitely closer to 37 at this point. Uh, it's just something to do that move, you know, you move, you do whatever. And 
one of the benefits of the strike, aside from getting a great contract, thank you, WGA, is that just walking 10,000 steps a day or whatever felt great. Like I, I was tired at night. I slept better. Honestly, I wrote better because I was so rested, you know, working on my own specs, wow. doing that. And I, I do think getting up and moving is something we all forget to do. And you might not be able to do it every half hour or whatever they say or all those studies. But if you put time aside every week, Friday mornings, like 7 a.m., I'm playing pickleball. I'm getting smoked by, you know, a bunch of retirees. It's, it feels amazing, but it is just something to do that also, I think, you know, keeps my joints moving and makes me happy to write later. I think the thing that is really important to call out specifically about pickleball or whatever it is that you're doing where it forces you to be present and in the moment and just reactive and you can't be thinking, overanalyzing, stuck on your script idea. Like we are all one of the the blessings and the curses of working in this industry is like we chose to be here. Like we are all people who love what we do and it's really hard for us to pause and not do that. But it's really important for the subconscious to be not doing, not writing, not planning, not doing this thing. We need to give ourselves that space. So I guess, Jason, that maybe is a good segue into what your resolutions are. Like, are you keeping pickleball on the calendar in 2020? Pickleball sticking around. We're doing it. You know, the top of the year always feels like at times a stressful time for me because I'm planning out like, how much money can I make? What What's going on? You know, you work freelance. What are we doing? And, you know, some, is my family getting bigger this year? Different things like that. But one thing I want to do this year that I have failed at the, in the past, some years better, some years not, is, you know, look, I read a bunch of articles for No Film School. I'm writing, I'm writing specs, I'm reading other people's specs. But what I don't do often is read for my own edification and pleasure. And I think reading is such a generic uh, idea, but I have all these Hollywood books I want to get through. I just subscribed to Sight and Sound magazine. I'm excited to get cool. that. And you know, for me, reading books that don't have anything to do with, I'm not trying to adapt them, I'm not trying to do whatever. I just bought, bought this really cool book called Letters from Hollywood, which are just a bunch of images of letters people in Hollywood have sent each other over the years, and you can read them. I'm excited to read through that. Just reading things, I think, riffing on taking your mind out of stuff or creating, you know, for me, it's maintaining that love and that inspiration for what we're doing and just being able to read these books, whether they're that. I also bought, you know, Empire of the Summer Moon, which is just about the rise of the Comanche Empire. Like cool. things that are, you know, books that I'm interested in just knowing more about things. These are like dad books. I also got a book on World War II. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, these sorts of things that, that I, I just think the older I get, and honestly, the deeper and higher up I get in my career, the more I've realized that just having something else to do really matters. And for me, this year, I want to make it reading and edification. I think it informs characters, right? It informs stories, but also just latently, it gives your brain somewhere to go that you didn't have to create that mm-hmm. I, I do think almost feels like a, the most relaxed and most meditative I've ever felt is just reading a great work of someone else. So making reading a priority is, is my number one thing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I mean, it's also really interesting because, look, I love movies. My life is movies. I work in movies. I teach film school. Love movies. 
it is rare a movie still does to me what it did to me before I worked in film. You know, Orson Welles had that great phrase, the ghost of the clapper boy, which like is now the ghost of the second AC or the ghost of the clapper loader, but it was the 40s, so it would have been a boy. You know, I, I can be watching something I love, love. I was re-watching The Wire season two recently, and I was like, it's interesting they didn't pick it up from that angle. Like, literally, there was a Ziggy. scene, and it's The Wire season two. I fucking love Ziggy, but there's a scene where I'm like, oh, you guys really owed one from this. Did you run out of time? Or, because it's really interesting, you never cut to there, you, did you not get yeah. it? And then I'm watching another, and I'm very conscious of the blocking, and, I'm, and I can feel the actors being conscious of the blocking, and I'm like, man, they should have done another take to loosen that up. And like, you can't turn it off. If you love this thing, you're never at a point, you know, like you're watching a movie and you're like, ooh, that's really early for the inciting incident. Like, you can't help it. Like, we, we, when you do this, you watch differently. But reading a book, and I've actually written a couple books, but something about the act of reading a book, I am better able to turn it off and just go full, like, dad on the couch reading World War I historical fiction, like... Thing. And I don't know why it is. I mean, I think it's probably because I don't do that for a living. Like the books I've written have always been like different, but also because I don't know, there's something about the active imagination it takes to imagine the world that like, you know, it is deeply immersive in a way that cinema can still sometimes be. And I, I think like last year, Oppenheimer definitely got me to the point That's where I was like, I was just watching Oppenheimer the way I would have at 15. But it's rare movies too. And it's no insult to everything else I watched last year. Talk about The Wire season two still doesn't immerse me. You can't turn that thing off. And it's The Wire season two. It's like the best thing made. And you can't turn off the, the ghost of the clapper boy. Um, the, the awareness that somebody was just out of frame with holding a slate and you're thinking about all the mechanics of how it's made. So I, I love reading more. That's a really great one. I think that's a really good and very achievable filmmaker's filmmaker's resolution this year. For, and for many of us, one book would be more, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah, have a, I, um, I have a sort of tangent I, question about reading more. We're considering getting the news in, in print, switching to just weekend newspaper and sort of getting off of the scrolling news cycle where it's like, okay, we can still be engaged with what's going on in the world, but we're doing it when there's been a beat to digest it as opposed to sort of like reactive headlines and these sort of like updates that really we're not built to consume as humans. Same thing. And, and so I'm curious if there's a news source in print that I can be reading for film because they're like, read the trades, read the trades. And maybe it's Sight and Sound Magazine. Maybe it's, I know the Hollywood Reporter and Total, Variety. Total used Film to be is also amazing. Sight and Sound, Total Film. I'm trying to think of the other ones that are like come out in magazine form. There's a lot of really good specific ones. What is it? American Cinematographer is pretty. There's a lot of specific ones like that. I think I'm trying to think of the other gen, like Film Quarterly. I mean, Gur those are the big magazine. ones. If you go to any like magazine stand in LA and Book Soup, shout out Book Soup. They have an amazing selection. Yeah. Also, last bookstore downtown. I'll think of something you're closer to, Gigi. There's a, is it the Larch in Larchmont? I can't remember the bookstore there, but also a great selection of magazines. But yeah, Sight and Sound, I just, I found it earlier this year just as a magazine. And so far, I've been really happy. I just finished the William Friedkin issue. It was great. They had an incredible Scorsese piece just on Killer the Flower Moon. It's nice reading something. And my favorite childhood memory, uh, you know, is getting up on Sunday mornings, not necessarily the going to church part, but afterwards, we would get bagels at the Country Bagel in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And my yep. dad would get a Philadelphia Inquirer there as well. And then we would go back to our house and the newspaper would be split up. And I would read the arts and enter entertainment section and the comics and sports, and everyone would just pass sections around quietly while eating their bagel cream cheese, I think. 
you know, printed news is, it's a, hopefully not a lost art. I think, yeah, printed news, growing up in the DC suburbs, reading the Washington Post on the weekends, like, it's just such a, like, signature memory for me that, like, yeah, printed news better exist. I'm a dedicated enough, I find it really hard to read on digital screens because I find it really easy to then switch over to my email and then switch over to Twitter and then back. So I actually, I have a camping headlamp because I can't have the lights on because I've got a kid and a cat. And so I have a camping headlight and I've been reading with a camping headlight the last a little while and it's oh. like it's really cozy you're like on the couch you got a camping headlight it was actually too spotty so i used i taped some diffusion to it so like it's full-on cinematography there's like diffusion <laughs> on my thing that. so it's a much softer more flattering light on my yeah. book we reading i actually yeah. i had a moment where i was like motherfuck do i need to make a diffusion box for headlamps that i can sell to cinematographer readers because the yeah. whole yeah. like it, it's yeah i mean i gotta get we'll into products right <laughs> yeah. it's time to be producty yeah that's great before i get to mine I want to call out one that I've been doing for 10 years now that actually relates to what Jason was talking about. I feel like New Year's resolutions get a bad rap, right? The joke about them is it's a thing you do for three weeks and then you're done. The joke is always like you're in a gym and there's like all of these people in January and then nobody the rest of the year. And so I want to point out that like I had a thing in 2013 where I was like, this industry is really hard on your body. I'd been working in post for a long time where you're sitting in a computer in the dark all the time. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm building a treadmill desk. And I got out a hacksaw and I bought a treadmill on eBay. I'm not on eBay Craigslist. And I like hacked it apart in my lawn in on Manzanita Street in LA. And I made a treadmill desk. And 10 years later, still using it. Still treadmilling while I write. I'm standing on it right now. It would be treadmilling if you wouldn't hear the sound of it. But I will be treadmilling when we are done and I go back to working. And like writers, filmmakers, anybody desk bound for a lot of your time, treadmill desk. I don't run on it. I'm not one of those weirdos who's getting like 70,000 steps because I'm like running and writing. I walk. You're strolling. Like less, yeah, I just stroll, but it is so great. And you get, it It like has completely changed. And I'm a decade in now. And it's not one of those things that like I did and then I didn't do. And it's so much easier now. I had to, I finally burnt out the original treadmill and I had to replace it. And like, I mean, you just go on Amazon and just get ones that like don't have a top, that have a remote control that are designed for this now. Cool. And I cannot like, you know, in terms of your, pickleball thing jason you know now the, there nobody has solved the essential problem of the treadmill desk which is it is ugly as sin it is not a like attractive desk option so depending upon your apartment scenario it might not be a possibility but if you can handle a really ugly workspace it is like a complete game changer and i'm a decade in now and, and if you're pickleballing in la email me because i'm always looking for people to play with <laughs> Okay. That is such a good um, tip, Charles, because I think, you know, I've seen them. I've seen them when I was working at Google, but I forget that it's something that I can bring into my own life and it can be an affordable option. And as a desk bound person, sometimes it's a, it seems absolutely worth it. Yeah. I mean, it is one of those things that I find it much easier to try and integrate things into my life than add to my life. I don't have room to add four gym sessions a week to my life. I make it to the gym once, maybe twice a week, and that's about as much as I'm ever going to go to the gym. So I bike to work because I already have to get to work and biking yeah. it makes it easier. I treadmill this because I already am going to write for two hours a day. And for me, it's all about the hierarchy of desire. If there's one thing I need to fit in, I always want to fit in more time writing. That is the one thing that like, if I have any time, write. Mm-hmm. And so if I can then stack on top of that, exercise. I so would do good. that. Yeah which doesn't actually relate to what my New Year's resolution is this year. Yeah, my New Year's resolution this year, I actually don't have one. Oh, that's good. So 
Yeah, it is. I don't know. I feel like I'm sort of, I don't want to, I feel like I'm like, I've got a, as much freelance work as I like. And I like my teaching job. And I like my writing project right now. And I know the next writing project. And I like my writer's group. And I'm like, I feel like my thing this year is I'm going to continue to do the things that I kind of think are working, which is I'm reading books, I'm writers grouping. And you know, the reason why I can say that this year is the same thing I always say I'm actually doing, which is writer direct scripts. You know, whenever people are like, how do I become a director? How do I become a filmmaker? I always say the only thing you have ultimate control over is writing and direct writing. Yep. You can always write. You can't yeah. get all your friends together. You can't, you know, you can't, but if you write something every year, you are moving forward. And hopefully it'll get better every year, even if it doesn't get made. And some of them will get made and some of them will get made with you. There's a, there was a great thing last year. Ridley Scott was interviewed in The New Yorker about Napoleon. And he's telling the story of like his early career. And he's talking about he was a commercial director. And then another British commercial director won con one year. And because another British commercial director won con, if you were a British commercial director, everybody wanted to meet with you. Because everybody was like, get me another British commercial director. <laughs> and that is the purest Hollywood it is like you could print it on a fucking plaque. That is Hollywood. Give me another one of them. Not the one who just won an award, but another like him. Give the me next the next one, the cool, hottest one, yeah. the new hot British commercial director to direct the film. And Ridley Scott was ready. He was over 40. He, in, in his mind, he was like behind the eight ball. He was yeah. slow, but he had two projects developed. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you were always writing and or developing scripts, WODES, as I acronymed it to my students, if you're always writing and or developing scripts, he didn't write either of those scripts because Ridley Scott, not famous as a writer, famous as a director, but he developed two projects. And then the opportunity arose because some other British commercial director won con. And he was like, and then he met with the producers. He was like, these are the two projects. The producers liked one of them. Then Ridley Scott won con the next year. So like Amazing. the thing is, and you know, I, maybe I'm just like, you know, the first couple of years of my daughter's life, I sort of got out of my rhythm, which happens. I mean, you should let your daughter's life throw you out of your rhythm. But I feel like I'm in a place where I'm like, ah, I am developing projects again. I, yeah, I'm excited nice. about the projects I'm developing. I'm directing a little doc. I'm enjoying the doc I'm directing. It's not even that little. It keeps growing and growing and growing. <laughs> as docs tend to do. So yeah, I mean, I'm going to try and keep 2024 in alignment with 2023. It's really cool to hear a big picture perspective on everything because it's easy to be like, oh, this year, I, I if I don't make my movie, then I'll be a failure. But it's Ridley Scott was in his 40s when he had this opportunity. And and it's it we're in it for the long game. And yes, take time to be with your daughter while she is a child because you never get that back. You can always fall back into your routine of writing and directing and developing. But yeah, there's you have to also live your life. Don't wait for your life to start by, you know, what is out of our control. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's so easy to forget and so cliche to say, but I'll say it anyway, it's a marathon. You're always chugging forward, even if you don't feel like you're going forward, you know, even if it's uphill or flat. And, it, you know, I think my life has had so many left turns. I, my first job ever in Hollywood, working at Scott Free for one Ridley Scott. So, you know, you, you have to start somewhere. You know, I didn't write anything that first year almost because I was so busy becoming an assistant, breaking in, meeting people. But little did I know, like the friends I made then, I'm still friends with now. The people who stuck around in Hollywood are the, the people I have out here uh, closest resembling a family. So it's like you may feel unaccomplished for not writing or doing whatever. But the, I think the great accomplishment of my life is still being able to call those people when I need them yeah. and knowing they'll be around and there to lift me up. So it, it is, you know, 
I think one foot in front of the time, you can always come back to it. But also like sometimes you forge ahead. I have a lot of friends who came out here to write who are executives now and they're awesome executives. You know, you just never know what turn is going to take. So just, you know, keeping your head down, doing the work, but also like living life and figuring out what makes you happy is, you know, equally as important. Yeah. So that actually, I do have a small resolution this year, <laughs> I realized. That's which okay. Is, okay well, we'll let it slide. Uh, I need to stop getting quite so angry at motherfuckers who drive in the bike lane. Okay. And I'm allowed to be a little angry at them because that's appropriate. And I'm allowed to tell them that they're fucking assholes. But I need to not say that in front of my daughter. <laughs> and I need to, so I, I need to work on a way. I'm working on the thumbs down. I feel like instead of the middle finger, the thumbs down oh, is I maybe, that. yeah, that's so for 2024, instead of a middle finger and, uh, and the occasional hood slam, I'm going to, I'm going to do a thumbs down for the fuckers driving in the bike lane. There's um, almost power in that, like so much power and being like, wow, a little bit of shame on you. And, and there's yeah. something to be said about knowing situations where your emotional pain, in this case, totally valid, it's a safety issue, but your emotional pain is not necessarily going to help in this situation because that person is just going to drive off. So if you can like, you know, channel it all into that powerful thumbs down and then move on with your life and enjoy your moment with your daughter, that's almost like reclaiming the power. Also, fuck so those guys. A, Get out of the yeah. bike lane. Yeah, stop driving your giant SUV in the bike lane. I think, and to tie it back to movies, I think I'm going to try and channel some Roger Ebert. And it's it's a thumbs down, but it's not an angry thumbs down. It's just a calm, serene, I'm judging you. I'm going to bring some Ebert to the power. And I'm going to try and thumbs down more this year and slam hoods less or this Joaquin year. Or Joaquin Phoenix and Gladiator, you know? <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's an angry thumbs down. Well, That's look, if you're, bridging the, if you're bridging the gap between middle finger and <laughs> thumbs down. <laughs> All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to aim for Roger Ebert. And if I land at Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. you know, still looking at the stars. That's and it's question. a nice callback to Ridley Scott. So yeah. it tied it all my up. My question into is, a really will nice you give bow. thumbs like up? That. Are you going to give thumbs up to people? I give thumbs up. No, when people drive appropriately for cyclists, I give thumbs up all the time. I'm a big, yeah, yeah thumbs up. Well done. You actually drove as if I am a human being. And yeah. we are all alive. Yeah, and, and not yeah. chattel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I give some thumbs up. Thumbs up are easy. Also, there's not an equivalent to the middle finger for positivity. There's no like angry positive. You know, yeah. if I'm excited, I'm like, yay, thumbs up. Nice work. What about blowing a kiss? Too much? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's really nice. I feel like there's some, I don't know. I feel like there's probably a little bit of. Yeah, it's probably not great. I wouldn't do it. Not New York, yeah. certainly. <laughs> not New York, not post B2, not yeah. like. You know, especially if you can't see the person in the car. And then, it, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to stick with the thumbs up. Do you know Fair, who could blow yeah. a kiss and it would make somebody's day? Your daughter. Yes. Little, this no, is okay. true. This yeah. is absolutely true. But to be honest, yeah. Gigi, she could also give the middle finger and it would make someone's day. It would make day. someone's <laughs> day. This is true. This is yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, uh, 2024 is going to be a great year. We're going to check in at the end of the year on how everyone did. I'm going to, I want to tally on Jason's pickleball scores. I want to find out about the collaborators that have grown in Gigi's life. And I want we want to hear from all of you what your filmmaking resolutions yeah. are for this year. What are the projects you're going to make? What are the uh, different ways you're going to approach your projects? How are you going to grow as artists? Because, you know, just to wrap up 2023 and style the, that amazing GQ interview with Scorsese, where he's like, yeah, I'm 82. I'm just trying to grow. Yeah. And it's, yeah, wherever you are, we're just trying to grow. So I want to hear about how you're trying to grow this year. You can find us on the Blue Skies. I'm on the YouTubes. There's the No Film School thing. You can email us. Yeah, where are you guys? 
at Jason Hellerman on Twitter and Instagram on and on Blue Sky and Jason at NoFilmSchool.com. You know, send me your resolutions, your goals, uh, you know, and, you know, if you know how to hit more top spins, send me your pickleball <laughs> swings. Yeah. I'm at Lost in There's Graceland. There's technique to pickleball? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's top spin. There's a, there's, it, have you played Charles? It's so fun. No. It's so fun. Next time the you're in LA. I would play with was my, the only person I would play with is my father-in-law. And my father-in-law, as a tennis person, looks down with disdain on pickleball. Of course. I have no opinion, but he's the sports guy I do sports stuff with. Fair. And he is very judgmental of the pickleball, even though he's <laughs> 80 and should probably <laughs> switch. But he still is no tennis. Pickleball right. Pickleballers are the equivalent of the guy driving in your bike lane, I think. That's the way the, the tennis, tennis people, people look at us. Yeah. That's a good yeah. observation. Well, I'm at Lost in Graceland, and you can follow my work at ggHawkins.com and also you can email podcast at nofilmschool.com. Let us know who's coming to Sundance. We'll be out there doing some podcasty, no film schooly things. And happy new year. Mm-hmm.